I'm Claire Edwards, and you're listening to Authentic Leadership, a series of conversations, insights, and inspirations with leaders who are real, raw, and authentic. Today, I bring you such an inspiring conversation with Daniel Flynn, co-founder of Thank You. And our topic of conversation is leading with purpose. And what I love about this conversation is that from the outset, we dive deep. And it's Daniel's willingness to share so openly that makes for an experience that truly epitomizes the essence of raw authenticity. Enjoy. I met Daniel Flynn at one of the first face-to-face conferences of 2022 while we were paired for a brief gratitude exercise. And I felt him being totally present with me. And we were in like a really crowded room. So got me curious, started researching further and was actually pretty blown away with my findings. At 19, Daniel, his girlfriend and his best mate founded Thank You, a social enterprise selling consumer products and with a unique business model. They didn't just have a big, hairy, audacious goal, a BHAG. They had a vision that could not excel in its aspiration, and that's to end extreme poverty. Now, I've been waiting for months for this conversation, but and my biggest challenge has been just like trying to whittle down the myriad questions I wanted to ask Daniel. Otherwise, we'd have been in conversation for, well, for a day, and I've got less than an hour. So, Daniel, a very, very warm welcome to Raw Authentic Leadership. Claire, thank you so much. Great to be here. Uh, um, Look, I know that that you've been asked this opening question so many times before, and I've just decided to flip. I was going to try and summarize it for myself (laughs) and and leapfrog, but but you're, you're the best teller of your own story. And let's start from the beginning. Okay, so you've got this... You've created this amazing organization, but where did it start and what made you actually take action on it? Yeah, look, happy to start there. I mean, I think for many of us, you know, great journeys begin with a moment. And for me, there was a really clear moment of quite a profound one, really, where I was sitting in front of my computer and I was watching stories of kids that didn't have access to clean water. Now, for context, I was meant to be doing my university assignment, and so I'm now I'm distracted. Uh, and I, I'd clicked on some statistics that talked about uh, the world water crisis, the fact that in 2008, 900 million people didn't have access to clean water, and I think at the time it was four and a half thousand children dying every day uh, from waterborne disease. So I've kind of clicked down a rabbit warren, and pretty shocking. Uh, I'm watching stories of. Uh, kids that, that they talked about their brothers and sisters dying from waterborne disease. Mm. That That is moving to watch. Then I did something that I, I mean, I'd encourage anyone to do, but I asked this question, well, what, what if that was me? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it went from on a computer to in my mind and it, it felt real. And I thought, man, my sister's Jess and Mel, imagine collecting water for them and then they die. And then I discover that that it was the water that I was getting that killed them. And mm. that moved me um, in, a, in a really profound way. And I also uh, read another number that in 2008, we were spending $50 billion globally on bottled water, um, which I think is shocking. Um, today it's $350 billion. And I think that number makes the world water crisis even more uncomfortable to look at just knowing how far we've gone in consumerism. And out of that was born an idea, kind of a what if. What if there was a way to have a a brand of water and maybe in time a brand of consumer goods that could right a wrong, this inequality gap so big. And so that was a moment that started things and there's many more that's built it. Um, But that was the beginning. So so you chose to go with the same product as as was being consumed with for 350 billion dollars worth tell me about that logic 
Yeah, it's a funny one. I mean, I remember um, a lot of people use comparisons. Like I'd heard a comparison once of the number of people uh, didn't have access to food versus the number of ice creams we buy a day um, in the total ice cream industry. And I think the way my mind ticks is sort of like, oh, why, why couldn't, why couldn't there be ice cream that sort of solves the other issue? You know, and it's a it's a strange way to think, but um, and maybe it's too simplistic. But uh, I think sometimes the best ideas are simple. And for me, once I kind of saw this idea, which is not even really unique, it just didn't exist at scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't unsee that, and I spent the last decade or more, I suppose, chasing that picture of a world where the products we choose you know ultimately exist to right wrongs and injustices that I am sure if we all took a, a long enough to think about it we'd all say yeah it is it is an injustice and these things shouldn't exist so i'm jumping i'm jumping around here because it wasn't one of the questions that i put um in the in the questions that i sent to you um but some people take action some people don't um some people take massive action like you have some people like me, I've got three sponsored children. You know, it's, it's a little action. But what, when, when you, you just said it can't be unseen, what do you think stops us from not taking the action to the extent that you did, but, but taking more action? What, what stops us from, from, you know, letting the unseen continue? Yeah, look, I, I think there's a few things, um, and it's a phenomenon that is very human. Um, we all experience it, and while none of us would say we're self-focused, um, you know, it doesn't sound good out loud, yeah. in practice we, we are, and that's not all bad. I mean, we are responsible for looking after ourselves, and and the challenges with that are there's a lot in that. There's a lot of challenges that we face individually, our own health and just even think about relationships. And then you layer on that, you know, challenges in your local community or nation or you you start to zoom out and actually there's an overwhelming number of things that you've got to put your attention and your focus to. And so when we hear about a new cause or another issue in the world, um, there's something that people refer to as cause fatigue that's a phenomenon because there are so there is so much awareness now for so many different issues yeah, you know from yeah. you know state of the oceans to wildlife to homelessness to local poverty global poverty um climate crisis i mean there are so many issues that on top of your own life's challenges and goals and complexity there's all of these injustices that do need attention and if those two things weren't overwhelming enough, the third thing is complexity. Mm. The minute you have a minute to think about some of these big issues, you're also hit with that wave of like, well, what difference can I make? And how do you even solve a problem like that? Just because of the sheer scale of some of the challenges yeah, that yeah. we face as humanity. So I, I would say those sort of three things from that mm. self-focus, then also the overwhelm of the number of issues that need solving and then the complexity of those issues i think it has most of us feeling a little paralyzed hence why we kind of keep our head down and you know focus on what's in front of us and you know maybe like, like yourself i mean it's awesome that you've sponsored three children that that's not a small step but i think um for many of us a donation here or there is sort of a whew, we did something and, and then we focus on home base makes us feel good yeah Okay. Okay. So, in, in yeah, in listening to that, so we can't all be the Daniel Flynn's of this world, but if we can do a little bit and and sustainably and consistently, then then we you know we might just make a dent, make a bit of a difference. Um, I know we've got, we've gone deep straight away. I know, but <laughs> I, I, I want to come back to um, I want to come back to the book that you wrote and. Um, I was I was telling you before, so this book, chapter one, um, you have the power to change stuff, and that's what we've just been talking about. Um, I this was such a, 
it was such a roller coaster for me reading it, Daniel. It's like I was I was with you on that on that roller coaster journey and I just, you know, I'd read about, oh, there's possibility of this great deal and these amazing meetings and then and then everything would fall over and then there'd be these distributors and then it'd fall over. And I'm thinking, dear God, you know, the, the title of this podcast is Leading with Purpose. And I'm thinking it could be Leading with Persistence, Leading with Tenacity, Leading with yeah. Perseverance. I, I mean, how... You must have such a st- strong sense of purpose to keep going like that. Can you tell us a little bit what what that roller coaster's been like because it probably still is yeah Yeah. okay well that that's the illusion for me is i i thought so i thought the roller coaster would stop after chapter one if i'm honest in fact what people love about that book is how many lows there are there's some highs but they people are comment about i just cannot believe how many kind of low points you had in that roller coaster Mm. now naively i thought well the biggest problem with chapter two is going to be there's going to be heaps of highs, but I don't think we're going to have the same level of lows. And boy, was I wrong uh, just to, you know, pump you up for the future. Chapter two, yeah. the lows are lower. I mean, if you thought chapter yeah. one was a roller coaster, and I did too, chapter two, it turns out, is going to be a, um, it's going to make make that sort of first book look like kindergarten or, or preschool. And I think it's because Anytime you're pioneering or anytime you're trying to build anything, you are going to get obstacles. Now, we all know it. To live it is another thing. And in our thank you journey, those first three years in particular were grueling. Every Everywhere we turned, we had, you know, competition or we had just really unfortunate events like the ones you mentioned. We, you know, we had distributors we'd launch with and they'd go bankrupt or other big brands would present to retailers, they'd say no, then they'd come out with their own brand of water or uh, a big supermarket said a a very famous yes in our little history and then that was followed by retracting that. Um, And, and, you know, that was a crushing moment for us three years in. And look, I think to change anything, to change stuff, it requires knowing your purpose and then from that, You'll, you'll need persistence, but that comes from that deeper grounding in purpose. And, you know, without wanting to um, discourage anyone, it's a really, 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 really hard journey. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, and your question was, you know, it must have had a really strong purpose. Y- yeah, I think I have a very deep personal connection with this idea, with the vision, with the mission, the, the sense that I'm – meant to do this and that's come mm-hmm. from a lot of different places and and maybe we have time to unpack some of that but i i definitely think that's the foundation and then the persistence piece is partly driven from that and it's partly driven by being surrounded with a team and good people and co-founders yeah. and not doing it alone so when it did get tough and you want to quit someone else's they're saying don't quit um you know, and on the days they want to quit, you tell them not to quit and you just got to hope that you, you both don't quit on the same day. Um, and we lived that that journey throughout our, our whole startup time. That's I was just going to come on to that because I, I do a lot of work in the resilience space and the, and the foundation of of, uh, of resilience or the, the, the lead characteristic of highly resistant people is, is having a strong support ladder. And I think you've almost just answered the question because I'm thinking, yeah, but you're all in there together. You're all on this roller coaster. But I suppose what you were saying is about your down days might not be their down days and, and vice versa. And, and, yeah. and your relationships are still healthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And look, look, I think we've also had mentors as well and advisors and people outside the bubble and, and that kind of, uh, you know, I call it a bubble, but it is a bubble when you're in, mm. inside building something. And so at times I've brought great words of encouragement. Um, I'm, I'm particularly grateful for a couple of different mentors who have maintained from the very beginning that they're not interested in thank you, or at least they're not as interested in thank you as they are in me. Yeah. So me, a um, a leader, uh, me, a husband, me, a dad, you know, and, and so they're, they're you know, at, at first when I heard this stuff, I was like, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the distinction is. And the more time goes on, 
I've been really grateful that they've they've really supported me versus the mission. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which you which you absolutely need, and yeah, and the. the the role of mentoring, I don't think it can be underestimated at all. Actually, I, I would like to go back when you were saying about that the deeper grounding and purpose and, you know, that, that has come from a lot of different places and maybe we can unpack it. Can, can we unpack it? Yeah, can, you, yeah. can, you, can you peel the onion layers back a bit? Definitely, definitely. I'd love to. I mean, I think this is where the rubber hits the road and if it was as easy as saying to everyone, you know, watch a video on YouTube, let yourself feel something, and that's it. That's all you need. Then that would be a a gross misrepresentation of, I think, mm. the journey mm. to discover why you're here, <laughs> and 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 discover purpose. And then I I genuinely think it's spending a lifetime curating that, um, mining it even deeper, nurturing it. Um, I would encourage people, and I'll touch on a few of my moments, but I would encourage people to think about moments that have moved you if you're trying to discover um, some of that deeper stuff, like why, what drives me. Yeah. Um, and, and, and as a society, we haven't done a great job at valuing moments. So we would say things like, um, I got caught up in the moment, or we would say, I'll be there in a moment, which means sort of a long time, I think. And, and, and so... Society, we don't value moments, but mm. if I look back at, okay, what really grounds me? What drives me? Well, I think back to the moment in front of my computer. I'm like, well, that that was one. Then I think back to in-time moments when we traveled to developing countries and we got mm. to almost see the video, but in real life. Wow, that grounded me. That really helped me. Mm. Um, then if we zoom out or, or kind of peel another layer off the onion, if I think about, well, what's my view of the world? What's my perspective? And, you know, I often talk about this. And in chapter one, I reference a moment I had when I was sitting at the back of a room, not listening to the speaker up the front. And I had a moment that really personally, uh, it set me on this trajectory to help see Thank You come to life. And for context, for those listening, if you haven't read the book, I grew up, my parents took me to church every week. So if you were to test me on the Christmas and the Easter story, I'll pass. (laughs) I will pass. But I have this moment um, when I'm 19 years old. I'm in the back of a service. I had gone on my own personal faith journey and I I sort of found my way back to faith is how I describe it. And I was sitting in the room, not not by force, but because I wanted to be there. But I, if I'm honest, I wasn't listening to the speaker. I was asking myself these questions in my head. What am I meant to do with my life? What's this water thing all about? How do we even get the money to start the bottled water company that will fund water projects yeah. called Thank You? People telling us we don't have enough experience. I don't. I agree. I'm sort of having this like quite a negative conversation in my head of feeling of hopelessness. And then I did something that my parents loosely taught me i mean they didn't specifically teach me this but i i i look up and kind of in my mind i was like okay okay uh god (laughs) if if i'm meant to do this if this is the path for me i'd like a sign like can you write it on the wall (laughs) daniel do the water thing or just give me something like that and that didn't happen i mean maybe you know a joke but maybe that was a bit too distracting for the group um (laughs) but i i looked down and and Below me was this old book. It's an old Bible. I pick it up. This book is written a very long time ago. Yeah. I flip it open, and without flipping the page either way, I look down, I read uh, this verse I'd never read before, and it was in a book called Isaiah, and it said, uh, The poor and needy search for water, yet find none. Their tongues are parched with thirst, and I, the Lord God, have heard their cry, and I'll turn the deserts into springs and the valleys into pools, and... I'm at the back of the room and I, my mouth has dropped open and I'm like, what? Oh, my like, goodness. who saw that? And I was telling people, okay, so no, no, no. In, in my head, I was like, I need a sign. And then I opened it and it flipped open to that bit. And some people are like, oh, man, that's weird. Like, that's a coincidence. I'm like, oh, I don't know if it is um, or if it is. If it is, it's a pretty good one. And, you know, I, I share this because – 
here's a moment for me that's intertwined with my own faith mm. wrestle and questions about mm. life and God and purpose. And somewhere in all of that is a moment and many more yeah. that once I piece it together with the other moments and, uh, you know, if you're ever moved by something and, and I almost like angry, that justice anger, I think mm. that's very interesting. Why? Why are you moved by it? Why does it make you kind of angry? Because if we go around a room, some people don't get that angry about um, one topic, you know, state yeah. of wildlife. Others get really moved by that. Others, others are, you know, absolutely furious at the state of the oceans and others haven't thought twice about it. And, and I think that's okay. I, I, I think there's something in why does that thing particularly move you? And, mm. and so our purpose is found deep layers, deep in that onion. And I think it's found in your, your beliefs, your, Absolutely. your, your faith, your, um, your wrestle with the things that you see that maybe others don't. Um, and, and this is what I'm talking about. You got to spend a life mining this stuff yeah, because yeah. when the going gets tough, I can't say, oh yeah, but one day I flipped open a book and then there was this thing that said the water thing, like that's not enough. Like I got to yeah. spend my life curating and, 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 and going on this journey to discover why, but I can tell you right now, I have had enough moments, enough signs, if you will, enough senses of this is the path I'm meant to be on that you could offer me, offer me every dollar in the world to get off the path. You could knock me a hundred times down on the path, but I'm not going anywhere and I will get up and I'll go again because yeah, I know why. And I feel this is what I'm meant to do. Oh gosh, there's so many, there's so many different places I want, I want to, I want to go from there and thank you. Thank you for sharing that depth because I think, you know, there will be an awful lot of people listening to this who are like, have I found my purpose? You know, you know, am I living the life that I'm supposed to be living? I'm, you know, do I really know why I'm here? And, and, and for some, you know, it'll actually, you just reminded me of that story where it's the flood and the person's up the tree and, and praying, say, God, you know, God help me. And somebody comes past in a boat and no, it's all right. God's going to help me. You know, that story. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that. I like that one. (laughs) It's like, and then somebody else comes past and no, it's all right. God's going to save me. And he drowns and goes to heaven and and says, why didn't you save me, God? He said, hang on a minute. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter (laughs) and I sent you, you know? And so it maybe it is sometimes just about those quiet times and, and, you know, when you are actually, you said you were distracted and not listening. And for someone who, you know, studies neuroscience of change and leadership, it's when our brain is quiet like that and or yeah. mind wandering that these things can come to us, but we need to give it the space. And what you were saying about we don't value moments. And, you know, when we're in this life where we're just bam, 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 keep going. And and the other thing I loved was, and and this was something actually that it, that I only started working on last week in coaching is to say, what makes you angry? What yeah. makes you yeah. gives you a visceral reaction to the unfairness of it or the injustness of it? Is is that word injustness? I don't know. Um, no, I, I, it's such a powerful question. Yeah. It really is. It and and the answers are so different for so many people, and that is. It's incredible. It's absolutely, yeah, absolutely incredible. And I, I think it is, yeah. I, I, and look, I'm with you on the silent space too. I think, um, I think we're scared if we're all honest, um, mm-hmm. scared to know what the answers might be or not be, or how they might challenge our mm-hmm. current worldview. And so I think for a lot of us, we're like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll go for a walk on a beach or I'll climb a mountain, but I'll definitely have music in my ears because the mm-hmm. silence scares me. Um, in fact, actually, when I went in, have you ever done a float tank before? No. It's like, okay, so it, um, it's essentially like a deprivation tank, but but it's a kind of a health trend. You go, you float on this water that's salty water, um, and so you you float in it, and it's at at your body temperature. They shut mm-hmm. the lid. It's it's safe and everything, but it, it is like. In fact, I bumped into a physio there, my old physio. I was like, "What are you <laughs> doing here?" He's like, "Don't tell anyone." This is very good. And it is. It's really good for your muscles. It's good for your mind. But it goes dead quiet. 
and they actually said, hey, some people do freak out. So just if you need to, you can always, you know, you know, turn the light on and jump out if you need. But it is, okay. it is complete. You are floating. It is completely silent. And there would be times in my life where that silence would have scared me because yeah. too many big questions, too many thoughts. But I think we've got to go there. We've got to figure out this deep stuff so that, you know, the silence isn't deafening. It's actually yeah. peace. Wow, thank you. There's, it's in, interesting. I thinking about my own journey and sort of moving from corporate into into self employment and the and the roller coaster that that's been. And I have this saying, and I know people have castigated me for it, but I say. I feel like I'm dancing a fine line between persistence and stupidity, never quite knowing which side I'm on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not willing, I'm not willing to jump off, you know? Yeah. It, it, okay. So I might be stupid. Okay. So I might never earn what I earned in corporate life, but I'm, but I'm following my passion. And, and, I, and, and then there's days where I think, have I got my ladder up against the wrong wall? And how do I know I've got my ladder up against the right wall? And then something will happen and I'll have a great workshop or have you or find someone like you for the podcast. But it's, yeah, it, it, it was never meant to be easy, was it? I don't suppose. No, I mean, no. and I think, I think we all think it is, or at least we think someone else has got it easy. Mm. And, you know, that, for those that have followed the story, I mean, our story has grown, it has got quite epic. But there are still so many days. I resonate with everything you just said then. It's my ladder up. I've never said out loud it's my ladder up against the right wall. I like that. Um, <laughs> I feel. Uh, but but there are so many days where you do, you wonder, is this persistence or is it mm. stupidity? And actually it's hard. You, you can't call it in the moment. Hindsight's the beautiful thing where you get to see like, oh, it was stupidity and I'll learn from that and yeah. I will pivot. Or it was persistence. And, and so you've just got to be willing to be the fool, I suppose, to, to be okay with people watching you fail. Uh, a friend of mine said this very profound thing once, uh, he said that he thought leadership was just learning in front of more people. Mm-hmm. And I like that because I'm like, I could do that. <laughs> and it's actually, well, it's actually quite a scary thing. To, to learn in front of people, learning in private, yeah, yeah. it's fine. But learning when everyone could rip you down because, you know, you should have got it perfect in council culture and the way that we're going as a society, yeah. you know, it does make the stakes a little bit higher. Um, but I think my, my my commitment anyways is to, to be okay to be wrong, to be okay to look silly um, in the pursuit of a mission and a, a better world that, you know, I think must become a reality soon yeah and and actually i'd like to i'd like to pick up on that oh my gosh to be willing to be the fool i love that because you know looking back going back to the book going back to your early days um you know there was that that naivety sort of the 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 mixture the recipe of of naivety enthusiasm boldness um, possibility thinking, falling down, getting up again. Do you think? Do you think like that naivety and enthusiasm was actually, in hindsight, a good thing? Because would you have otherwise done what you did? No, I think I think it is a it was a gift, and it's why um, youth and youthfulness and a youthful mindset, um, or childlike, if you want to go a step further, is a gift. Yeah, You know, I think two children, and we have two now, Jed, Jedediah is seven, our daughter Jordan, who's 18 months old. Um, but, I mean, Jed, seeing him grow up, to him, you know, anything is possible. Yeah. In fact, I have loved, gosh, I have loved hearing his thoughts on thank you. He <laughs> comes out with the best stuff. Mum and Dad, I think thank you should do this, and thank you should do that. And one day he was like, we went for a walk together up a mountain, I, I call it my blue sky day but it's time where I get to dream um be quiet it's a, a time of reflection and prayer and journaling and I try and practice this regularly and I was up there and he came with me and he, he brought a notepad and I said all right you know there'll be a bit of space to think about ideas and dreams and he's telling me dad I think 
Like I get body wash is, you know, kids use body wash, but I think you just, we need to make something more for the kids, like toys. Like what about thank you toys? And he goes on this huge tangent. I wrote down the ideas, by the way. I think they're really good. But I loved how to him, he doesn't understand the complexities of the, you know, the global toy market, who's dominating it, who's winning, how to win. He's just, you know, dreaming. And that has reminded me of that naivety that you talk about. And and I think Mm. it is a gift. I think if you have it, keep it. And if you've lost it, be humble enough to to find it again. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, we were um, talking about humility as, as um, one of the, uh, one of the key traits of leadership and really understanding what, what humility, what humility is. But actually, I just, I just want to, again, go, I'm just circling around on, on what you were saying as well about it's okay to be wrong, because there's a, there's a theme in your culture that came out for me, firstly around how you approach failure, but also around your levels of openness and transparency in, you know, going back to the bottled water. It was it was a you know a failed business model from the start or what have you. The, the way that you've exited markets, the way that you've entered markets, the way that you've been so transparent about your your challenges the you know the critical article that was written about you guys Mm. and and it got me thinking what what it it, there's a risk in that potentially but what what makes you you know what makes you stand out from the others is it is it the way that your business is structured is it just your philosophy is it your culture because it is it does stand out for me oh thank you for that look i I think it's probably a mix of it all, um, but probably at its core, um, our, our values guide us in how we live and how we outwork as a team. And, and so I think that, um, you know, I appreciate your, your perspective from the outside. You know, I think from the inside, the reason we're transparent and we share our weaknesses and the things that go wrong is because... It just feels like the right thing to do. Mm. Um, I mean, it also feels, yeah, yeah there's a risk, but um, my dad said this thing once that I always loved. I think it's really profound. He said that a person of integrity expects to be believed. And when they're not, they let time prove them right. Ooh. And so the power in that is is it really takes away this idea of, oh, I've got to walk a, a you know, I've got to be perfect. I've got to, I've got to never make a mistake. Uh, integrity is not not making a mistake. It's okay. You made a mistake. Oh, fantastic! Like what? What did you learn? What happened? And I think sharing it. Um, my hope is that even in the short term, if someone went, oh, they're they're a bit incompetent, or gosh, I don't know what the future holds there. I mean, we're not going anywhere, and we're convinced that we'll we'll use that learning um, for a greater. And, uh, and we'll still be there. So, so I think that's helpful. I also think it is, um, humility is not just, um, you know, not just saying you're humble and then putting forward all the stuff you're really good at, but it's probably a transparency to the real human or the real organization that you are. So we try and live, live by that. And, and so tell me more then about, What's it what's it like being on the thank you team? What's the culture? If I were to take five different team members from thank you out to the pub separately, what would be the common theme that they'd feed back to me no matter how much they'd drunk? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question. I feel like you probably need to do it just to see uh, what everyone comes back with. I'd um, love to. <laughs> but look, I... I I think that there's a lot of things, you know, we value. I mean, what's the main thing? I mean, look, I'll, I'll drop out our values and, and then you, you you may hear it kind of caught up in this um, mm-hmm. because we have five values that really ground us. The first one we talk about is we said we, we forge bold new paths forward. Um, so how we describe that is that we're pioneers and challengers of the status quo. And so I think if you met the team at a pub, they would just be talking about 
we found a way. We're, 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 we're attempting something new. We are trying to pioneer. We talk about value number two for us as we choose the light. This to us describes like integrity over compromise, honor over tearing down, uh, even tough conversations internally over gossip. So I think we are an organization that wants to not just project integrity but live it. Um, third value we find possible. So we, we love this quote that it's only impossible until it's done. And so we are solutions <laughs> focused. Um, you know, and this is this is us. You know, we're, we're relentless in that finding a solution. Um, we also, we have a very strong culture. Um, our fourth value we talk about is we never walk alone. And yeah. the way we describe that is we say teamwork makes the dream work um, because it does. We, we believe isolation is our enemy and unity is our defense. Uh, and we really value learning from others and seeking advice. And so hopefully if you sat down with us for a couple of drinks, you'd get a sense of like, wow, these guys really have each other's backs. They, yeah. They're humble. They're willing to learn. Uh, and their fifth value um, is we do it with heart. So we describe that as vulnerability is our strength. Yes. Uh, and ego, ego is our kryptonite. Um, and humility is our posture and passion is our fuel. Um, and I, I love those words all so much because everyone, I mean, we took time, you know, refining those words, but mm. I could talk for an hour on each of them. Like vulnerability is our strength in a culture where, you, you know, vulnerability is often, you know, people take advantage of that. Um, yeah. and, and ego Ah, ego kills. I mean, look, I'm not coming from a position of like, I never had an ego as a leader. I am so, so sure I have battled with that. And, you know, but it is kryptonite um, to cultures. And hopefully you would walk away from that drink at the pub thinking, yeah, these guys are grounded, but man, they're ambitious. Absolutely. And hey, you're allowed to have your picture with Barack Obama interviewing you on your LinkedIn (laughs) just quick just quickly i wasn't gonna ask you about that but i am i am curious how was that as an experience that was wild um i have i don't go on linkedin enough i've i forgot it's up there i need to go look at that it sounds a bit pretentious but um the the no Obama no, no daniel daniel it's absolutely fine if, okay. I, if i'd right. had that opportunity i'd do it and it's nothing <laughs> right. to do with ego it would be pride all right. and good all right, pride. All right. sorry so carry no, on well, thank you for that <laughs> i may not take it down now so look look uh i found out the day before, uh, it started with an invitation to um, attend a conference and no heads up about an interview, just attending the conference. And I went and the night before um, at registration, they basically, two of the organisers had said to me that I had forgotten to reply to an email to them and I'm apologising and they're smiling. They said, tomorrow morning, President Obama wants to interview on the live stream. Are, are you up for this? And <laughs> You know, it's like one of those moments you never, ever, ever forget. Um, and, I mean, I was actually so overwhelmed because in America they have guns. So, like, in the queue I was looking at security and some of the security team had guns. And, and I was like, that is so odd as an Australian. It's just so, yeah, yeah. you know, I can't. And, and so I went from that kind of odd out-of-body moment to then that question. And then the next morning it happened. There was an interview. He'd, he'd chosen three names from a short list and um oh man talk about humbling moments you know when he walked in that room he was surrounded by entourage uh, secret service had already come and done like a half an hour room check and lockdown mm-hmm. and it was intense but he was really humble and yeah our hearts like for the other two young people myself our hearts were belting out of our chest like it was just such a nerve-wracking moment but the moment he spoke to us he obviously briefed well knew our names. It was in that moment that, like, it just it felt so human. Yeah. Um, they say never meet your heroes, um, but I felt like I walked away from that probably more inspired by him as a human leader and an orator and, you know, people get political in this day and age. But I think, hey, politics parked to one side um, which I think we should do for every human we meet. Like he's he just yeah, a, yeah. a really strong leader and very grounded. 
um, you know, you could have a big ego after, uh, you know, being president and still walking around with that many people around you as your security, but he he didn't have that ego. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was a 23 minute interview. I'll never, ever forget. Um, and yeah, it was a huge honor. You lucky duck. And you, you managed to fit yabbies and gobstoppers into one <laughs> sentence. That was something that was, you know, on reflection, the things that you wish you didn't talk about versus the things you wish you did, you know, but that's yeah. okay. <laughs> oh, no, I thought it was brilliant because you could see you could see their heads cocking to one side and like, what language is he speaking? Oh, no, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was engaging. It was engaging. Um, oh gosh, I've asked none of the questions I was planning to ask, but what, what, what an amazing, um, uh, path we have, uh, we have tread that's slightly different from what I was planning to. Um, I suppose again, going back to sort of leaders who or anybody because we're all leaders anybody listening to this who might be might be struggling a little bit to to find their path or or to get back onto their path um and and I'll do the shameless plug for your book Um, the advice that I would give is is to read it because it was you know it, it certainly took me on a journey and helped me you know you talk about that curation and 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 just tweaking and getting clarity and what have you um but in addition to all the to the gems that you shared what how how might you guide them if you were going to be mentoring them daniel you've been wonderfully mentored yourself where would you start well look i I would start by uh talking about the fact that it's okay if you're off track um, mm. I think we all get off track and these last couple of years, the 2020s have been brutal. Um, even the most inspired people have had many moments of just wanting to pack it in. And, and so I think, you know, starting by taking the pressure off, mm. um, I think that's really important because to be curious, to be childlike, to create space, you've got to have pressure off. And we have such a high pressure on ourselves with all the the bills due the you know the expectations you know uh on you small and big so i would encourage people um find a way to take pressure off um part two is find a way to take time out um and and time out from the the grind the day-to-day the sort of that hamster wheel feeling that you have um and so for you if you like getting to the beach or getting up a mountain um or just shutting a door yeah blue sky day Maybe you just prefer shutting a door in your room and, I don't know, having a cup of coffee and no distractions, whatever that looks like. Um, I think find space um, and then start asking questions. Maybe you write it out. Maybe you speak it into your phone with it on record. Um, This isn't something you have to show anyone, but these are just some of the questions that you have. Um, And then when you're ready, you know, maybe the next time you – lock yourself in that room or go for that walk, start to wonder, like, I wonder how I could answer these questions. And you may not have the answer, but you might be like, I could listen to that podcast or reread that book or read that book that everyone said I should have read. Or, you know, you can do some things that may help you find your way to the answers in those questions. Um, but I would encourage you to have some pretty bold questions. Um, you know, even if it did go as bold as, you know, some of the biggest questions that humans can ever ask, but also don't feel you have to answer it straight away. Life's a journey. Um, and I have been amazed that some of the answers I thought I had years ago, they've morphed and they've changed. Um, so there's a lot of information out there. So it's not an information problem, but it is a challenge for us to create the space to find the information and the inspiration we need to move forward. Yeah. And I think having read your book, one of the questions that I would include in there, because it's had such power in in your journey, is what if. Can Mm. you tell us a little bit more about the power of what if in the the journey? Thank you. Oh, this question, it's a big one. We, we, (laughs) at the end of a lot of our campaign videos, we ask this question, um, and we, we make a statement along the lines of, now you might be thinking, you know, what if this idea doesn't work? But 
can we ask you another question? What if it does? Because the answer to that question is that we go on to do something, you know, truly remarkable, making an impact in this world. And that that really frames this question we've had in, in Thank You, which is what if it does work? Because so often with an idea or a plan, you just jump straight into why all the ways it won't work. But have you spent enough time wondering, but what if it did? Yeah. And I think we live in a world that rules that kind of wondering out. And this is a lofty idea, but to ground it, asking what if it did work and really dreaming and letting yourself go there and painting that picture, then the real work is spending the time basically risk managing and figuring out ways that if you did move forward, you could reach that vision, right? So, you know, what if it does work isn't just something that you shoot from the hip and say, otherwise it gets annoying. It's it's a big idea of imagining possible and then finding a way to get into that world of wonder. That's what um, uh, Walt Disney used to do, wasn't it? He'd, he'd, mm-hmm. he'd dream and dream and dream and then he'd refine it, but never, ever get in the way of the dreaming. Oh, we're coming close to our time. I just want to ask you one question before before we wrap up because it's it's about the power of your supporters. It's about it's about the tribe, the following, the gathering that you've created. I, I mean, was that a conscious thing? How did it come about? Uh, it it's pretty amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um it is and I think it it came about through the natural idea that we cannot do this on our own. Mm. Um, And Justine actually was one of the first challenges to that idea. I think Jared and I were pretty happy with the three of us just kicking away. And actually at the time we had Morgan and and Nicolette, two others helping out. And so I think we thought between a, you know, a couple of us were fine, but she had this sort of focus on like, no, 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 we need volunteers, we need people and, Pretty soon we had like 20 volunteers at Thank You. And I suppose these are people that are like, yeah, I'll help. Um, and everyone had little jobs, but important jobs to do. And then that grew. Um, as Thank You faced some pretty big challenges, and we did. We couldn't get into retailers in this country. And then uh, retailers kept saying, well, you, you know, you don't have the the dollars, the marketing dollars to perform against the big brands. And so then some of our early famous campaigns is us inviting people, consumers, to post a video or a comment onto their Facebook or to say if they stock a thank you product, that pe- you know, people would buy it. And so you talk about a tribe following. It really came from we built the story room by room by room. Social media, Facebook was there, but we really built it a lot in speaking and st- schools talks and yeah. community groups and people started following the channels and then we said, Hey everyone, we have a problem, but we think you might be able to help. Well, then people helped. And I mean, in those campaigns, people did, they sung, danced, rapped, uploaded their posts, our Coles and Woolworths campaign, which is our biggest one petitioning the two biggest supermarkets in our country to stock the product. We had people fly helicopters for free above the head offices. Insane. It was insane, (laughs) insane. And there are these giant signs around them. And, and like, we asked for help and people are up for helping. And so I'd say the tribe that follows thank you are just people that we put a call out to and say, hey, we we really do need your support. And then when it works, I think that helps because next time we ask for help, there's a sense of like, oh, yeah. Well, last time I did, I chipped in and yeah, wow, we we took a whole step forward. So thank you really is a tribe that started with a very, very, very few of us and has grown into many, many, many of us who now make that decision every single week in their grocery shop. And, you know, it's gone on to raise over $17 million for our impact partners. Um, And that's just from profits here in Australia and New Zealand. We cannot wait to see those numbers once. Thank you gets to the world well daniel flynn i'm gonna have to come back and uh, be in conversation with you once chapter two comes out and regardless of the lows i know there's going to be a chapter three and four and five and i don't know how many chapters it's going to go to but um you you know you are um project by project making such an amazing difference and it's like 
that quote from the Dalai Lama, you know, if you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. <laughs> so, you know, I will, um, I thank you. I've got, it sounds ironic me saying thank you, but I, I mean it genuinely. Your, um, your depth of, of, of raw authenticity, um, in this i think is in, gonna inspire a lot of people and also not not just inspire them but that people who might be struggling make them feel okay and they've got a they've got some practical steps on on where to move forward i'll put links to your website your book and all all the the videos and the amazing things and ways that people can support you on the show notes but daniel it's been an absolute pleasure thank you uh, thank you and appreciate you buying the book and yeah let's get going chapter two three four love it let's get going thanks for listening and we hope that this conversation provided the insights and inspiration that you were looking for did you know that authentic leadership is currently ranking sixth in the top 25 australian leadership podcasts you can help us get to number one by heading over to Apple iTunes and doing three quick things. One, subscribing. Two, giving us a positive rating. And three, writing a short review. This is the most effective way for us to get the key messages around 21st century leadership out into the community. And before you go, if you're in the business of learning and development or HR and are looking for a facilitator or speaker, let's talk. You can head over to the BrainSmart website, that's brain-smart.com to see examples of our programs or email me, Claire, that's C-L-A-R-E at brain-smart.com. Go well and thanks for listening.